0: All right, guys, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Habakkuk. It is in the Old Testament, minor prophet. As you can see, we're getting through them. We're on number eight. We have got four more after today. If you need to, if you're sitting by family, feel free to uh, take the masks down. If it helps you breathe a little better. And then when we get up to leave, we'll put them back on next week. Nursery will be opened back up. Uh, thank you to those who are serving back there, willing to, uh, to help us in that area um, with families. It's a, a big deal. Uh, that is a big sacrifice. So we are in the book of Habakkuk. And I wonder if we had a little spelling bee, who could make it in spelling this book? I know I've spelled it time and time again this week, and I still struggle. Where are the two K's? One K, one B, two B's? Habakkuk. Not too many people spend their quiet time thinking about this book. Not too many people have too many verses memorized from this book. I would say if we did a poll asking what's the main point of Habakkuk, most of us would say I have no clue. Up until about five minutes ago, I didn't know it was a book in the Bible. This book is powerful. And it has something to say for us today. Because what Habakkuk was going through, we will go through. He answers the question, what happens when God doesn't make sense? Right? Life's not going the way we thought it should. Things aren't happening according to our schedule and our timeline and our expectations. Where is God? Why is He so quiet? Does He not hear me when I pray? And Habakkuk answers that question for us. So we're going to dig in, do some work here. We'll walk through the book. And then I hope we get to where Habakkuk got. And that is, once he saw God, he pours his heart out in worship. So we need a fresh encounter with God today. That's my prayer. That's my hope. Because a lot of times, God doesn't make sense to us. And what will we do? Well, hopefully by faith we pursue Him. All right. so let's pray and then we'll get to work. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for this truth, that You are an everlasting God, that You are with Your people. And so I pray with fresh eyes we see Your Word. Change us. Move. Help us walk with You by faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright, right off the bat we see this is an oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. Real quick, a lot of us don't know what an oracle is. An oracle is a meaning of burden. And so what happened is Habakkuk, a messenger for God, has this message and he's carrying this as a burden until he can deliver this message. And in this message we see, uh, we're going to skip real quick to chapter 2, verse 4. The second part of this verse is, the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. And this is a theme all throughout the Bible. The righteous will live by faith. This is the challenge. This is what I want us to see as we walk through this book, this oracle, this message that God gave to Habakkuk. That we are challenged to live by faith. You're going to live one of two ways. By yourself, doing what you think you should do, or by faith in what God has called us to do. And and this is something that I think we need to cover just real quick. Faith, defined faith, is in Hebrews 11.1. Right, if you're thinking, what what do you mean by faith? Uh, The author in Hebrews defines it for us. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So does that help us understand what we're talking about? We walk by faith. What does that mean? It's this conviction of things hoped for, or conviction of things not seen, assurance of things hoped for. So how many of us in the room have seen Jesus? I have not. I didn't get to walk with Him for the years He was alive. I didn't get to see Him on the cross. I didn't get to see Him buried. I didn't get to see Him rise from the grave. And so that requires faith. I wasn't around when God created the heavens and the earth. That required faith. And guess what? God's people have always been walking by faith. That's why we have Hebrews chapter 11. It says, Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Whoever draws near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Does that explain you today? Does that describe you today? Do you believe that he exists? Do you believe that he rewards those who pursue him? And I just want you, I'll give you a quick list from Hebrews 11. Faith leads to action. In Hebrews 11, verse 3, it says, By faith we believe that God created the universe. Out of nothing He spoke, and the universe was created. By faith Noah built a boat. Now listen, he didn't have a truck to get the boat to water. The water came to him. He believed that God was going to do something. He believed that God called him to do something. And he did it. By faith Noah built a boat. By faith Abraham left his home going to a place God would later show him. I think it's interesting. He starts his journey not knowing where he would go. He had to walk with God step by step. By faith, Sarah had a baby, even though she was too old to have a baby. By faith, Isaac invoked a future blessing on his sons. By faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He had it made. He had it made. Everything he wanted, he could have had. But by faith, he believed God had something better, even though he didn't see it at that time. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea. Someone took the first step. They don't know if the wall of water would collapse on them. And so by faith, they trusted that God was good and God could take care of them. And so they walked through on dry ground. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. If you guys remember this, it wasn't an earthquake. God's people just walked around the city seven times, blew some trumpets, and then, boom, God brought them down. It's not a strategy generals use to win wars and battles, and yet, by faith, God's people believed their God. By faith, kingdoms were conquered, justice was enforced, promises were obtained, the mouths of lions were stopped. You guys remember Daniel in the lion's den? Fire was quenched. Foreign armies were scattered. God's people, by faith, were tortured. They were enduring suffering, and they kept going forward. By faith, Peter, when he was arrested and beaten, was out, released by an angel. And what did he do? Go back preaching the gospel. The very thing that got him beaten and arrested. Why? Because by faith he believed Jesus called him to do what he was doing. By faith, Paul endures. Tragedy after tragedy, difficulty after difficulty, Paul keeps moving forward. How? By faith. You remember James? Beheaded with the sword. How does he endure? By faith. He knew that God is able to reach him even in the grave. Death is not the end. By faith, when John is exiled to an island of Patmos, still seeks after God. And that's how we have the book of Revelation. So all throughout Old Testament, New Testament, church history, how do God's people live? We live by faith. And so here's my question to you. Are you living by faith today? Do you trust in the character and promises of God? Or or are you overwhelmed by the circumstances you find yourself in? You have two options. The righteous will live by faith. So you you get to this, the oracle, you, you have Habakkuk's complaint. Right, so Habakkuk sees some things out here and he's asking God, where are you? So we're going to read verses two through four. Here we go. How long, O Lord, shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Has that ever been your prayer? You've been asking God for something and he's not showing up. That's what Habakkuk's is saying here. God, I'm calling out to you, but you're, you're not hearing me. Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Right? That doesn't make sense to Habakkuk. Wickedness is winning. It's surrounding the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. So this is Habakkuk's complaint. He looks out and he sees everything that is wrong. Wickedness is growing. He's calling out to God to come and rescue. And God isn't moving. Or at least that's what it seems like to Habakkuk. Now now here's what I love about this right here. It shows you this is a real relationship. If you walk with Jesus, you're going to have times in your life where things don't make sense. Or things do not Walking with Jesus doesn't mean that your life will be free of disease, will be free of pain, will be free of hurt, will be free of tragedy. Walking with Jesus means you get God. And that God will get you through all of those. And here you see Habakkuk saying, this doesn't make sense. Where are you, God? And then I love it, God responds. Verse 5. Look among the nations and see and wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. God shows up and says, you have no idea what I'm doing. Habakkuk, you think I'm chilling out over here on the sideline, ignoring sin, sweeping wickedness under the rug, letting justice go unaccounted for. He's like, hey, get your heads up. Look over here. You see this nation? I'm raising this nation up to come and bring judgment to you. That's a scary thought. And here's what I see from this. God cares more about His people than even His people care about themselves. God cares more about His glory. God cares more about wickedness than any of us can imagine. And He doesn't sit idly by, even though it may seem that way. And so he says, Habakkuk, hey, look at this country. You see the Babylonians? You see the Chaldeans? This empire, I'm rising up to bring judgment. Do you see the power of God in this? He uses the nations to bring judgment for a purpose, for a certain time in a certain place. And then God keeps responding. He brings this nation up and look at how Destruction reigns. He says, hey, they're swift, like a leopard. They're fierce like wolves. Like the wind, they take country after country. Like nobody can touch them. All right, so Habakkuk says, God, you're not doing anything. And God says, oh yeah, check this out. Habakkuk doesn't like that response. Right, now he's even more confused. And so we see Habakkuk's second response. He says, basically... This is, this is my uh, paraphrase. That makes zero sense, God. That makes zero sense. So you're bringing the Babylonians, who are detestable, more wicked than we are, to bring judgment on us. Why would you take somebody worse to come to us to judge us? He doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. And he's pretty bold in saying this to God. And then he gets down to the end. He says, You know what? I got an illustration for you, guys to compare the Babylonians. All the nations are like fish, and this nation that you're rising up is like a fisherman. He throws his net, he catches all of these nations, he empties his net, and then he throws it back out again. Right, so Habakkuk uses this illustration, and I want you to see this. Right, if you've ever seen a rap battle, Habakkuk here is thinking he's dropping the mic. Right, he's really proud of his second response. Verse 17 of chapter 1 says, Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? He's like, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's just going to keep going nation after nation, conquering nation after nation. And then he goes, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Right? There's Habakkuk. Boom. What's up, God? What you got for that? He's really proud of his response here. Doesn't understand it. Doesn't like it. But God's not quiet. Listen to God's response. And the Lord answered, write the vision down, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. He's saying, hey, Habakkuk, have no doubt this is happening. then he goes, still the vision awaits in a point of time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. You see, God has a different view on time than you and I have. Some of us think 40 is a long time. All right. Now that I'm getting close to 40 years old and work with high school students and have three girls, they would call that old. For God, that's not long at all. An eternal God, holding eternity in His hands, is in no rush. And everything is on time. Everything is on time, working out according to His plan. And He says, if it seems slow, just wait. Habakkuk, write this down, it's coming. Verse 4, Behold, His soul is puffed up. It is not upright within Him, but the righteous shall live by His faith. So right here, what God does is say, you're right, Babylon is wicked. He doesn't live by faith. That nation, that nation lives by self-pride. They're very, very proud of their weapons, of their strategy, of their army, of their military, of their power, of their might. That is their God. And God knows it. And he says, hey, they're puffed up, but that's not how we live, Habakkuk. God's people lives by faith. And then he goes on. Verse 5 through uh, basically 20, and he explains how he's going to bring judgment on Babylon. And and it's a series of five woes. Right? So, So these woes are: hey, I see this going on. This is what's happening. This is the wrong that they're doing, and this is the judgment. All right. So just real quick, we'll we'll go through this very, very quickly. The first woe. The woe is you live in pride. And he says, you see it in verse 5. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as white as shool, Like death, he has never enough. Right? So this greed is just growing in this. And so he says in verse 6, Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own for how long? And what happens is those that he plundered now will plunder Babylon. And so God tells Habakkuk, hey, listen, you think Babylon is going to last forever? That nation won't. The nation that he conquered, they will come back on him. The next woe, woe because of dishonest uh, gain. The Babylonians were going, uh, so so let's say we go over to uh, Coach Sullivan's house. We like his pool. We take his pool and we put it in my backyard, right? And then we go to to somebody else's house and and we like their stuff and we take that and we put it in in our yard or in our room, right? And, And this is what the nations were doing, right? I'll take the gold from you, make it my own. I'll take the silver from you, make it my own. I'll take the stones and build a temple. I'll take your wood and I'll build nice houses. And what happens is God says, hey, the stuff that you've taken cries out to me, Babylon, and you will give an answer. That's the second woe. The third woe. Woe because of your violence and injustice. I love this because what happens? What's God's answer to violence and injustice? You look at verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You see, Babylon was saying, hey, look at how great we are. They were perverting justice and God says, uh-uh, your glory is not going to last. Woe to you, Babylon. My glory will cover the earth like the water covers the sea. And then finally, woe because of your idolatry. They carve these idols and they say, hey, look at us. Look at what this thing has brought. God says, they will be silent. They will be silent before me. In the day of trouble, they will not rescue. And then God's response in verse 20, But the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. Do you see the picture there? These carved idols have zero to say. And then you see this everlasting God in His holy temple. And He says, let the earth keep silence before Him. I don't know if any of you guys are into wrestling, but back in the day, The Rock had this catchphrase, and he says, Know your role and shut your mouth. Right? Now, listen, I don't know where he got the catchphrase, but right here, God says, Hey, get your eyes on me, let your mouths be quiet. Because here's the thing when you see the glory of God, there are no more words, there are no more complaints. And so here's, here's the, this is, this is one of the easiest sermons to preach if your life is good. It's one of the easiest sermons to listen to if your life is good. But when life stinks, when tragedy hits, this is where the rubber meets the road. And now here's the awesome part. God is still God in the middle of all that. When your circumstances do not make sense, you have to trust the character and the promises of God. That is what Habakkuk is all about. And so chapter 3, Habakkuk now offers a prayer to God. And what happens is he says, God, remember your mercy and your wrath. He understands judgment is coming, but he also knows that God is a merciful God. And in verse 1 through all the way to 16 is just Habakkuk remembering what God has done for his people. God, you saved us here. You saved us here. You saved us here. You saved us here. You're an eternal God. Even though this nation, this scary, powerful nation is coming, And my knees are trembling. I'm not going to look at them. I'm going to look to you. And so you have this prayer and then it leads to worship. And check out how the book ends. It it starts with complaints. Habakkuk saying, hey, God, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. And it ends with Habakkuk worshiping. Verse 17, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on its vines, nor produce in the olive field, and fields yield no food. The flock be cut from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Now listen, I don't think any of us have any of that. Anybody growing any fig trees? Anybody have a flock? No. What he's saying is, hey, you lose your job. Your health is fading. Nothing is making sense. Your money is gone. Life stinks. What? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like deers. He makes me tread on the high places. He gives him a firm foundation. Right? He was shaking because of this nation. But now God has given him a firm foundation. And then check this out. Isn't this a weird way to end the book? To the choir master with stringed instruments. So he writes this worship down, this rejoicing. And he says, you know what? I'm going to put this to a tune. Here's a few bars. We're going to sing this all throughout history. And you know what? We've been singing this a long time. Have any of you guys heard It Is Well With My Soul? It Is Well With My Soul is the story of Habakkuk. Check this out. It is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way. That's good. We need that. But then it goes on. When sorrow like sea bellows roll. Uh, we don't want that. So, in, when it's high and when it's low, when it's good, when it's bad, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well, it is well with my soul. And then I love this, and Lord haste the day when my faith shall be sight. That's a beautiful promise about faith. This is what I'm banking on. Remember I told you I've never seen Jesus? I haven't seen Jesus yet. One day I will. One day I will. And then everything in this life will be worth it. And you'll walk that way by faith. I believe one day I will see Jesus. I believe one day, even though I go to the grave, I won't stay there. He will raise me from the grave. I believe I will be with Him forever and ever and ever. And I get there by faith. You see, these songs that we sing are the songs Habakkuk wrote down. Or there's a new song out by Tasha Layton. It says, Into the Sea it's going to be okay. Right? It's a new song. It's on the uh, 104.3, 90.1. It says, my heart is breaking in a way I never thought it. My mind is racing with the question, are you still good? Can you make something from this wreckage? Would you take this heart and make it whole again? And I love that. And so here's the the main chorus. It says, though the mountains may be moved into the sea, though the ground beneath me might crumble and give way, I can hear my Father singing over me. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Here's the truth. It's going to be better than okay. It's going to be glorious. When Jesus returns, your joy will be maxed out. Says at the right hand of God are pleasures forevermore. That's where we're heading. It's going to be better than okay. Though the world is fading away, our God is forever. That is the story of Habakkuk. And so I just want to make some quick connection points and then we'll be finished. Number one, live by faith. Live by faith. God has called us to live a certain way. When Jesus asked his disciples to follow him, The disciples didn't have a choice to do their own thing and follow him. Jesus set the course for their life. Jesus set the course for their life, and so I wonder if we're living by faith. Do we trust what God has said? Do we live by faith at work? Do we live by faith with how we talk about our co-workers and other students? Do we live by faith in our purity and pursuing Him and our grace and our forgiveness? Do we walk by faith? Three times in the New Testament we see this, live by faith. Live by faith, live by faith. It's not just in Habakkuk 2.4. In Romans 1, 16 and 17 it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first, also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now there's two things when it comes to this, by faith. Number one. By faith, I will believe that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. I believe what Jesus has done for me gives me salvation. So that's personal. But I also believe that the gospel is the power of God for salvation for others. And this is why this is important. When I look out in our city and around the globe, something powerful will have to take effect for people to be saved because right now people are running towards everything else for salvation. Right, The Babylonians ran toward their might and their army for salvation. There are people right now running towards an election for salvation. They're running right now to a vaccine for salvation. They're running for their wealth and their money and their jobs for salvation. They're running for relationships for salvation. So many people running after so many things. We have students that are hooked on drugs for salvation. That's how they get their peace. Something powerful has to come. To bring salvation. And by faith, I believe it's the gospel. Jesus is that powerful. What He did on the cross, rising from the grave, is that powerful. And by faith, as we hold out the gospel, we will see people transformed. How does that happen? We live by faith. We believe it. So that's one way in the New Testament. The next way is in Galatians 3.11. And Galatians 3.11 says this, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, For the righteous shall live by faith. By faith we accept the work Christ has done for us and not our own good works. And listen, this is easier said than done. You don't earn brownie points by doing good things. You can honor Christ by doing what He's called you to do, but your salvation is secured in Christ. And so when you hear the law, what happened is there was a group of people saying, hey, if you just do this, this, and this, you'll be saved. Paul says, no. No, that's not how, the law can't bring salvation. Your righteousness is in Christ. And you receive that by grace through faith. We didn't earn it. But man, we can rest assured it's ours because of what Jesus has done. Does that represent your faith today? Do you believe that? Do you let, before God, the Father, you stand not condemned. You stand righteous because of what Jesus has done. You see, that truth transforms people's lives. Because I know this, before God, on my own, I'm a sinner, I'm messed up, I'm dirty, I'm unclean. But man, by faith, I'm going to receive what Christ has done for me. So that when God the Father looks at me, He sees the righteousness of His Son, not the sin of myself. How's that happen? By faith. And then the last time it's mentioned in the New Testament is in Hebrews 10, 36 to 39. Uh, Write this one down because this one's endurance. Walking with Jesus is not easy. Walking with Jesus is not easy. It requires perseverance, endurance. There's some spiritual sweat. It's a difficult road. But now listen to what we hear here. For you have need of endurance. Yes, amen. I do need endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. Right? Jesus will return. Now listen, how many years has that been? Around 2,000. That seems like a long time, doesn't it? I don't have another 2,000 years to wait. Or do I? If the grave's not the end, just the way I get to God... I'm not worried about time. Jesus will come. He'll do what He said He's going to do. But until then, I'm going to keep my eyes. I'm going to keep enduring. I'm going to keep my eyes on Christ. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if He shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in Him. But I love All right, so He gives us two options, right? You'll either live by faith or you'll shrink back, right? You can't do both. You'll either trust Jesus or you won't. And then I love this. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. Don't you love that? That's not who we are. That's not who we are. We're not shrinking back and be destroyed. But we're those who have faith and persevere. Love that. So live by faith. How do you do that? Here's a couple of examples. Number one, lean into God. Lean into God. You want to live by faith, you got to lean into God. And, and this is, I think this is easy for us to understand. At least it's easier for me to understand until things don't make sense right? So all of us have this like coffee cup uh, verse, this, this mug verse that we put on. Uh, you guys have heard Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Yes, of course, right? Don't lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. We all do that until it goes against our own plans and our own understanding. We'll trust in God as long as it goes according to plan. That's not what the verse says, Trust in Him. Don't lean on your own understanding. And so, when things don't make sense, don't lean over here. Don't run from God. Habakkuk could have done that. He's like, you know what? Forget this. God doesn't care. I'm not going to care. And he just checks out. But what does he do? He leans into God. He has an honest conversation. He pours his heart out before God. And I think that's a good. God can handle your doubts and your fears, your disappointments, your complaints. God can handle that. I think it's important to do that. Be honest with God. He knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. But don't stay there. Let's get to this. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. This is God speaking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And you can even go to Romans eight twenty-eight. Right? God works for the good for those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. Somehow, God is working the junk and the trials and whatever is hurting you in your life for your good and His glory. Somehow, God is working that out. And that's so easy to say when you're not suffering. But it's so important to understand and believe when you walk through suffering. And so one thing that helps me with this, and it just happened, I think it was yesterday, I was uh, FaceTiming Ava and bailing and somehow we got to extinguish right we, we got to the word extinguish and listen the the show are you smarter than a fifth grader i don't think i'd pass that anymore right we got to the word extinguish and, and i was giving her a hard time i gotta I tell you what if you can spell it i won't take one of your gumballs if you can't spell it i'm taking one of these gumballs right and so sure enough she started to spell it e and then it got quiet and then i heard her older sister freshman in high school X T, and they got all the way through it. Now, on our own, I don't think Balin spells that. I was confident I was getting a gumball. But the gap in wisdom between a fifth grader and a freshman is substantial. You can see it. How much bigger is the gap in the wisdom of all of us in the room put together and our God? I would say it's infinite. Look at creation, see the wisdom of God. Created out of nothing. You guys know how to do that? No, I don't. I don't. Shows, can you create something in your hands? Nothing, right? God says, boom, and there's water, there's gravity, there's sun that doesn't melt, just heats, moon, stars, orbiting. Unbelievable. I struggle with fifth grade math. The gaps. Are, so now here's the point, though. Don't stay there. Here's the point. So when something doesn't make sense to us, do you think it still makes sense to God? I do. I do. And I'm going to trust in the character of God, that he's a good God. I'm going to trust in the wisdom of God, that he knows everything. And I'm going to trust in the plan of God, that he's working for my good and his glory, even when it doesn't make sense to me. All right, so so that's what it means to to lean in. But, But then also, not only lean in, but also look to the God we worship. Look to the God we worship. That's exactly what Habakkuk did. He went from complaining to worship. How? Because he got his eyes on God. When you get your eyes on God and not your circumstances, you can worship even when you don't like the circumstances. Did circumstances get better for Habakkuk? No, they got worse. He said, God, I see the wickedness of all these people around me. What are we going to do about it? Oh, crud, you're bringing Babylon? to whoop us, to judge us, ah, that's not good. But what happens? He got his eyes off his circumstances and onto his God, and he was able to pray and worship. And so just four things I want us to see here. Number one, God is eternal. Habakkuk knew that about his God. He, he starts off his second com- complaint in verse 12, Are you not from everlasting? Why is that important? Because the same God who saved people in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, it is the same God we serve and worship today who will save us. This is a personal God. He knows us by name. See that God is eternal. Number two, see, that, see the work of God and be amazed. Habakkuk was blown away that God could move the nations to His will and purpose. We have something greater than that. Do you know that verse is quoted in Acts 13? What's happening in Acts the church is booming. The news about Jesus is spreading. You want to know why? Because the problem of wickedness was still around. How is God going to justify a wicked people? How is he going to do that? He's going to send his son. He's going to send his son to die on a cross. Jesus is willingly going to lay his life down. He's going to be raised from the dead so that all who believe can be saved. Don't ever let that grow cold in your hearts. That Jesus loves you so much He comes to this earth, died on a cross, rose from the grave, intercedes for us now, and will be returning. That's bigger news than Babylon coming to judge people. See God at work and be amazed. Number three, see that God is with His people. See that God is with His people. When you see that picture of God in His temple, it's a picture to the people in the Old Testament that God is with them. And we have a promise from Jesus, right? In Matthew 28, verse 20, He says, hey, I am with you, talking to the disciples, but then He goes, and I am with you to the end of the age. You're not alone. You're not alone. You can make it. You want to know why you can make it? Because God's with His people. Jesus is with us. And then finally, see that God is transforming you. I, I love the transformation that happened to Habakkuk. And the same thing is happening to us. When you get your eyes on God, watch how He will change you. Changes you from the inside out. In 2 Corinthians 3.18 it says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, right, getting our eyes onto Jesus, are being transformed into the same image from one degree to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Man, God is in the transforming business. And He does that as you get your eyes on Jesus. Live by faith. Watch how He changes you. So this is what I want to close with. I just want you to do some personal work right now. Right? I'm going to close this in prayer, but as I pray, I want you to pray for yourself and those around you. And I want you to ask God, God, how by faith am I living with you? How am I walking and trusting in your word? Even though my, Is there an area where I'm struggling with? Like, God, I don't understand why this is happening. Ask God to show up in power. And he won't always explain the answers. And we won't always know the why. But we do know that God shows up. And that's all we need. So I want you to do your own personal work right now. And then I'll pray and and we'll be dismissed. All right? Let's pray. Lord, we are a desperate people in need of you. And Father, there's a lot of things going on in our city in our country, across the globe that doesn't make sense to us. Father, there's a lot of people hurting in the room, walking through things that are frustrating, are hurting, are scary. And yet, God, I pray that we see that You are an everlasting God, that You know Your people, that You're with Your people. So we pray that You bring comfort and endurance. And Father, I pray that By faith, we live our lives. By faith, our marriages will glorify You. By faith, our work will glorify You. By faith, the way we study at school will glorify You. By faith, the way we raise our kids will glorify You. By faith, the way we treat the least in the world will glorify You. By faith, I pray that we're obedient to whatever You call us to. By faith, I pray we reach the city with the gospel knowing that it is your power for salvation for everyone who believes. I pray we hold that out. By faith, I pray we meet needs that you lay on our hearts, that you show us. By faith, I pray we endure no matter what may come our way. God, you are a good God, an eternal God. We love you. Thank you for being with your people. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.